come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I am your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Donna. And I'm your polter guide, Mac. And this week we are joined by one of our favorite poltergeist cast. Ah! <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you so much for coming, Cass. We're always glad to have you here. Uh, so this week we are discussing the 2022 film uh, streaming exclusively on Peacock called They Them. Uh, I believe now- uh, Wikipedia corrected me on that. It's actually supposed to be pronounced they slash them. Oh, okay. Slash. The slash because it's a slash. Oh, okay. So that's super clever. Like they slash them. Okay. Is sorry. It? Oh, well, it's it's Mac That's the idea. Is that it's clever. That's Mac, the idea. I, I have a fan of bring more bring more dashes, numbers, and titles. Let's go full like 90. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't finished my coffee yet. So yeah, I'm gonna pre super caffeinated kids gonna be like yeah that's pretty I, clever I, I have finished my coffee and i'm very sad about it <laughs> <laughs> all right so for those of you that don't know what this is about our good good buddies at imdb and max nemesis want you to know that a group of teenagers at an lgbtq plus conversion camp no in- no, no no they've already gone wrong this movie started off as a tutorial about how not to do euthanasia properly and then it just went off the rails and went into some weird slasher i don't don't know they 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 lost the plot of what they were doing when they started off as a film about euthanasia and then they just i i don't know some somebody lost track of what they were doing and they just that's what this film is Okay. So the dude from Tremors is a dick. That's what the movie's about. <laughs> that that dude from Footloose. What oh, he was him? that same guy? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't even dance once. Uh if y'all had first been exposed to Kevin Bacon in Animal House, this would not be a surprise to any of y'all. So I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, that's true he did he did revert to full animal house character that's that's a good point i'm just leaving that there (laughs) well or or my girl three goes in a direction (laughs) or or the uh the sequel to veep that we didn't know we needed or there it is goes 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 to a place all right that guy that went full frontal in in uh, Wild Things, <laughs> and Hollow Man. There's oh my goodness, this actually came up in an earlier conversation I had off mic. Um, he did an ad for full frontal male nudity and promoting it, like in the 2000s, just because like he became known for doing it, and then he made like a fake <laughs> ad about it. But it's very self serious and it's hysterical. I highly recommend just looking up like Kevin Bacon full frontal nudity male hollywood ad <laughs> great i will <laughs> this feels like a trap but i'm gonna trust you <laughs> i'm getting rick rolled aren't i <laughs> well not not rick rolled <laughs> similar principle different ending <laughs> bacon rolled is meat spin that's it around <laughs> oh mm. Oh my goodness! Uh, uh, we're, are we still on IMDb? We're still on IMDb. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay. Um, so they're going to disagree with all of you, but uh, basically, the uh, conversion camp endure campers endure unsettling psychological techniques while being stalked by a mysterious mass killer. Uh, so, did you like it? Did you not like it? Had you watched this? before watching it before the podcast was this your first time this was my first time um i mean i liked it for the fact that it was something new and 
uh, different. I liked it for the fact that it went a different direction. Um, but I was disappointed for reasons that I think we're going to thoroughly discuss in just a few minutes. I wanted it to be better. Yeah, and I, Donna, uh, I think you're. I think you sum it up perfectly. Is that uh, I hadn't seen it before. I watched it. Uh, we watched it Friday night, and yeah, I wanted it to be better. And maybe that's unfair, putting that level of pressure on the first one like this. But we'll we'll, we'll get we'll we'll get we'll we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think. I have a lot of complicated feels about it, so I'm glad I watched it, actually, because I think it's forcing people to have conversations about things that I don't often see in, like, pop culture media, Um, like, people having to, like, learn terms like gender dysmorphia or gender euphoria or, like, having to be like, oh, wait, what pronoun are the character versus the actor? So all these things, like, and all these levels, I think it's important that it was made. Um, and there's a lot of things I was like, oh, this has a lot of potential and a lot of things that I was like, oh, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure we'll get into it. I didn't like it very much, but, it, you know, admired the spirit with which it was made. Uh, I think that's echoing what other people are saying. Um, the story here is so uneven and and goes out of its way to introduce this idea that the camp isn't bad, like Kevin Bacon is bad, but he's not terrible. Like he's not, oh, I'm not bigoted. I'm just wanting you to open your eyes to being not you. Hey, campers. And and, and I'm thinking like, what, what am I supposed to think about this guy? And, and then the story just kind of meanders and it's a slasher. It was advertised as a slasher movie, and it's really only a slasher movie in the last third to quarter. And, you know, a lot of slasher movies don't really pick up the slasheriness until the end. There may be the Scream movies spoiled me with just opening and then maintaining. Um, but uh, bad movie, but I think that's OK. I, I think full representation in media means having bad movies too yeah i think and i think mac that kind of that's i think that's a perfect segue into talking about this movie is that the representation that's the key and they swung for the fences and i'm not mad at them for it it's just a clunky story like they there's their story beats that it could have been tighter but i i i've I love, I love what they're doing and them trying to do a different spin on it on, on the slasher genre. I love that. And I think it just, just a little bit more time working and polishing the script. I think you could have had a better movie, still keep the actors, the setting, all of that, just having a better script and having the terror, you know, still where the kids feel like they're being stalked you know, more of that having, uh, oh, by the way, we're in spoiler territory, having the, you know, the killer show up at different places where the campers do see her uh, and see them where you just, you have that danger and maybe, you know, have Gabriel disappear and not find out he's a plant the way that you, um, you do, you can still have all of that. Just make it tighter. That's yes. I really want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, yes. <laughs> I was just going to, I was still on Kenzie's thought and I was like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, so I think at least from the, what we're talking about right now, I was really disappointed that it didn't feel like it owned itself as a splasher uh, because throughout watching, I was like, oh, this is really reminding me of um, Natasha Leone's But I'm a Cheerleader. And I kept wanting to watch that movie. And I feel like that movie worked because it, it is terrifying, but it's also like, it's a drama that uses comedy for uncomfortable moments. So I'm like, we already have that blueprint of like how it works in a drama. And I feel like for most of this film's runtime, it tries to be like this emotional drama. Um, but like Kenzie was saying, it could have interspersed more terror in things to keep our, like, our hackles up. Um, and it seems not very aware of the killer element, like who, who's the killer and, and that engagement with that aspect of the plot until like, the very very last chunk of the movie which is i think 
honestly kind of sucks <laughs> just because it makes us like, like the queer characters who are supposedly like what this film is all about they don't really get much engagement with the big aspect of like what we're coming to the movie to see like they're not interacting really with the, like the killer they're not really like investigating like um i guess kind of also like what max saying is like i would rather a more dream like approach where like people are aware of what's happening to them instead of like literally being taken off screen because it's like the film i think the film just treated the characters very preciously but too preciously um and i think for a film like this we go in understanding that horror is messy people die like it's okay to like maybe even lose one of the queer characters in a battle like that is more the representation that i want to see that like it makes it feel as if we're we can't handle the fact that queer people can die in a horror movie which duh they die all the time we're fucking used to it <laughs> but like i want to be able to be treated that like i can uh understand that's okay if it makes sense as far as the thought goes so that's like my yeah. opening thought and i'm sure we'll get into many more <laughs> yeah it was almost infantilizing with queer people that, oh, oh they, they can't die. They're too precious. And I'm like, well, we came here to make a horror movie, John Logan. What 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 did we think was going to happen? I mean, and then, then he'll be like, well, did you win an Academy Award for writing Gladiator? I'm like, well, no, John Logan, I guess you do know how to write a movie better than I do. Go ahead, write your movie. But I'm going to remind you, you also wrote Star Trek Nemesis. No, don't down. He already did it. <laughs> it's it's like if we had one queer character, yeah, don't kill that one. But we didn't have one queer character. We had a whole bunch, and some of them didn't even speak. So maybe maybe kill that one. You want to you want a Star Trek red shirt? The ones that weren't speaking is that what you're saying, Donna? Okay, cut that, Billy. <laughs> Please cut that line. That was that was. I, I've only had one cup of coffee, Billy. Or, or through some strange mix-up, there's one uh, uh, cis straight kid in the group, and they mm -hmm. gotta go first. Yeah, like that'd be a funny way of handling that. Yeah. yeah. For instance, when Alexandra, who is is a black girl, um, got up early in the morning to take a shower, and I thought, are they really going to kill a black kid first? Are they really going to do that? Are they really going to do that? And then she turned around and went, ah! and that's not what they were doing. Okay. I was like, good on you. Good on you for dangling that trope in front of me. And then yeah. not doing that. I thought, okay, we are on to something here. We're going in a good direction. And then, and then we didn't. And then frankly, once it became obvious that the people that were being targeted were the people running the camp, then then the fear for the kids was really completely lifted, right? I was no longer worried about the kids because the only harm that was being done to the kids were by the people running the camp who were the people being killed. And, uh, and, and that, to me, really took a lot of the fear out of it for me. Yeah. yeah, and I think, like, building off of that, like, I think this movie is really concerned with queer protection, queer joy, um, which I respect that goal. But I think there's a way in, in the genre of horror to get at that same thing. Like if we're not fearing the kids' lives mm -hmm. and we're gonna kill off these like homophobic racist people, then like extend those kill sequences. Like maybe have the, the, the kids be a part of them, like, like helping to kill or like really like make them gnarly so that like they're, fun to watch like despite like how ridiculous the new texas chainsaw massacre was i do love that whole like bus sequence scene where like it's just also it's just bonkers like someone just gets killed by a bus window <laughs> like it's having fun and i think that's a way to maybe be like give us the catharsis we want of just like oh we're gonna torture you but like in a way that like the the kills happen so quick and so clean that not only does it take the tension away, it takes away the fun of what I came to this movie to watch once I understood yeah. the setup that we're killing them off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could have easily like turned those kills up to an 11. Uh, and because even the final kill with Kevin Bacon, it is so telegraphed once you like, the first time you go into that office, why is there a rhino head there? And then, <laughs> you know- Such a wild bonkers thing. And then it's like, oh, okay. 
somebody's getting killed by that. And then it's like, oh, of course it's Kevin Bacon. So yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah yeah it it stands out so much. You're right. It stands out so much that there's a rhinoceros on the wall. Um, how how quickly did you guys figure out that that Klumsky was the killer? Because I, I had didn't. it. I had it moment she showed up. I'm like, oh, she's the most famous person beside Kevin Bacon. She's the killer. I didn't have it figured out very quickly. Billy did. I think it might have mm. been because uh, I was just, as always, when it comes to horror films, I'm like, I just, I absorb the experience. I don't want to mm. figure it out. I do. It's my haunted house rules is that mm. I just, I don't try to figure out where the scare is coming from. I just, mm. I just let it immerse me. <laughs> I, I will, but it has to immerse me. If I'm not having a good time with the movie, then I'm thinking, okay, what does this part do? What does this part do? Oh, uh, yep, here it is. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't guess that she was the killer, but I will admit that I was texting with a friend while I was watching it. I was like, oh my God, she's so gay. <laughs> and then I was like, then that part comes out. I was like, yes. And then I was like, oh, wait, now we took a turn. <laughs> um, so I do, I will say, I don't like, well, before we get to the killer aspect at the end, um, her being the killer, I was a fan of the idea of letting a queer person not be queer coded as a killer, because that's a messy other subject, but like an actual queer person having a vengeance plot and, and like killing um, and being empowered in that way. I was like, good on you. Like that's something you don't get to see often in this kind of way, like in a revenge plot nice, Go for it. I and had she, no idea who she was and I still only vaguely know who she is. So I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And see right there, what you were saying, Cass, that's why I get annoyed with this is that I wanted it to be better. Like I, I wanted wanted it to not be as clunky as it is and again i think i'm also spoiled by scream movies that it is not only effective slasher it's also effective whodunit like by the end of a new scream movie i'm thinking everybody did it uh at this point i you know the the announcement that nev campbell's not going to be in the new one puts her at the top of my suspect list for the new one uh but that's a discussion for some show next year (laughs) so (laughs) um i do want to tell you that the highlight for me the movie peaked at the scene with the dog that was the peak of the movie for me um that was jordan's high moment for me um when jordan was like i'm 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 not taking your bullshit i'm not some meek little queer kid um because being a military brat myself, um, I can tell you that military parents do not generally let their kids be meek little kids. Um, so it it tracked for me just fine that Jordan was a good shot. Um, and it tracked for me just fine that Jordan was, in fact, capable of standing up for themselves. Um, so... Um, that that scene was actually for me that the movie could have ended on that scene. And I would have been like, okay, that was a, that was an okay film. I was, I was good with that film. So I'm glad, <laughs> you, I'm glad you brought up that scene, Donna, cause that I have to tell you, I have to tell a story. So we're, we're watching the movie and it gets to that point and Kevin Bacon says, okay, you got to kill the dog. It gets to, for those who don't know with the dog scene, what she's talking about. And of course, my note is, oh, shit, I'm sorry, Donna. Oh, shit. <laughs> and Billy looks at me and goes, who suggested this movie? And I just kind of slowly raised my hand. He's like, okay, all right. <laughs> he was he was concerned for you, Donna. Just because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was I was waiting like I was like, I'm going to see a message on Discord that Donna got to that scene. And I'm going to be like, damn it, Kinsey. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as at this point, anyone who has watched uh, or listened, you don't you don't watch our show, you listen to our show. You you have by now become familiar with the AVMA guidelines on euthanasia and which which are that it be fast as possible, it be painless as possible, and it be as stress-free as possible, which means that a gunshot is not the first choice, but it is an acceptable choice down the line as long as you can you know head or heart actually was a pretty good instruction on um 
Mr. Bacon's part. Um, so since it actually did go down that way, I, I didn't have a huge problem with it. Assuming that the dog is riddled with cancer and is suffering was a correct statement. It does bring up the question, do they go find an old cancer ridden dog for each iteration of the camp? Oh, Donna. That's so dark. That is yeah. so dark. Donna, you may have hit on the, oh, Donna. <laughs> what are they going to do next time? Oh, 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 Whistlers, this is not what they mean by clear the shelters. Oh, Whistlers, no. <laughs> but yes, I, I was sitting there going, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Not, not very with you. I'm not very with you. Let's be clear. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sticking with you as long as that's what actually happens. Okay, Jordan, Jordan made this okay. Good on you, Jordan. Okay. Okay, but yeah, that scene that scene gave me some some issues. Like we're gonna we're gonna fight me me and Kevin Bacon. We're gonna fight, and he's wiry and scrappy. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't think I'm gonna win that fight, but we're gonna fight anyway. Um, and then I'm gonna go to jail for being a stalker, and it's yeah, it's gonna it's be a whole messy. Thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Please do, <laughs> please do not put me on a list. Uh, so speaking of Jordan, how did we feel about Jordan being the focal point for the film? I really liked Jordan. I, yeah. I, 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 I feel like Jordan was, was of, if you go through and you put a pro and con list together for the film, I, I really liked Jordan. I, I, I liked the fact that Jordan was very low key to start with and then started kind of loosening up. Um, and, and I, that the Bible, who that Bible, Jordan's Bible was something. Jordan's Bible was a thing i like jordan the short answer is yes i like jordan agreed yeah i, I thought it, it was a they were a solid choice for a protagonist because they they could be in uh, ha have at least some tangential relationship to all to many of the queer worlds represented um or at least that was the impression i got from them um that may be me talking out of my depth here, but that was that's just an immediate reaction. How did you feel about it, Cass? You brought up the question. Uh, well, I like to ask questions too, but I'm like, here are my feelings. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> um, I didn't mind it. I think my overall feeling is I would have liked it to have been an, an ensemble cast from the start to finish. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think that would have been an interesting way to approach it. And I, I think my main issue with uh, Jordan being at the center is for some reason it started to seem as if it was going to be like Jordan and Alex Alexandra like take on the world and I was like that's great but then it just it was so strange how they made Alexandra just basically fall into like the really bad stereotype of like the gay best friend role of like like just because she has like self-love and is confident in her like her gender and her sexuality that somehow she's like not afraid of killers and she can be like the emotional support system for Jordan. Like, I think it did that in service of Jordan being like at the center. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know why we need to do that. Like, I don't know why we needed to have Alexander go off screen for the big battle. Like, I think those, those were like some of the missteps where like, I love Jordan as, as like a character. I think that they were interesting um, and brought in a lot of complex parts themselves. Like, I love that they could like fire a gun but also like love to draw like rainbow naked bodies and Bibles. I'm like, wow, that's, I love it. <laughs> um, I think that, I don't know. I just wish that they handled it better. Um, so I'm really curious to talk about it and hear other people's feelings about it. Okay. Yeah. I actually misunderstood your question. Yes. An ensemble cast, I think would have been a, um, a better approach. Also um, what, what the movie was sold as it, it, mm -hmm. it felt like an ensemble and you didn't get the impression that there was a, uh central hero figure but i did i did like that there were some there were some some tropes but they weren't they weren't bad tropes you know they were they were tropes that let you see some some things that we're very used to seeing 
and let you see that they're humans behind them. You know, we've got the sports guy who doesn't want to be gay. We've got the loud, aggressive, bisexual girl. We've got the, we've got the, the, the pretty lesbian. We've got the, um, you know, just several, um, very recognizable, um, tropes, but, but then like as much as, um, I've forgotten his name, the swimmer, as much as the, as much as he was a stereotype that he, you know, it's a, it's a stereotype because it's something that really happens. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a guy who did not want to be gay because that was antithetical to everything he's been raised to believe he should be. And yet there he is. You know, and, um, and it was good to see him learn despite being uh, tortured into trying to hate himself, learn to not hate himself. And in fact, um, learn to accept who he is and, be like no this is, this is who i am and and let's go let's just let's just go i mean it was it was nice to see the humanity behind the stereotype and i'm gonna quit brain dumping now i don't think we like pers- like personally i don't think especially in a genre like horror i don't think we need a trope or a stereotype on screen unless it's saying something with it because for me at least i think it's like okay cool here's just more depiction and I think the danger that people are going to see that as maybe the only representation that they see and be like, oh, this is how it is, right? This is how this is how people are. It's just like, like you said, bisexuals are aggressive <laughs> and just like want to fuck everybody. It's like, well, do this. <laughs> um, but I do think that what the film does better than what I expected is it had a lot of moments of showing like queer sexuality on screen, um, mm-hmm. which I really liked. Like I like that they could have like everyone was pretty much having sex, um, which is great. That happens. Then also like no one died immediately after. Um, yes. I think that's, a, that's a good example of like using a trope, like, cause we were all, we were waiting for it. We're like, okay, someone's going to get stabbed from like something from the lake while they're having sex and it doesn't happen. And I think that's like, a better way of like bringing what we're uh, either what we assume to be true or what we've seen to be true about these characters in the way that this drama works and then like delightfully surprise us. So I think, mm-hmm. I would have rather them just be more developed characters. Yeah. And the only other thing I'll say about the characters, I think um, what really bugged me, and this is going to come, this is really uh, frustrating to phrase too, is that like, there is a, there's a stereotype about like gay bitchiness and guardedness. Um, and that's dumb, but there is a level of like, if you are, if you've been raised around people and in a society that like is actually trying to like, kill you, um, and like people deny your existence, there's a level of guardedness that just comes with that, which I think gets always misinterpreted and easily like wiped away in sitcom land as like like gay bitchiness. Um, but there's a level of like again like your hackles are raised to an extent. Um, even if you know someone is queer, like you don't know how accepting they might be until you learn more. So I think that like that would maybe have been another way to approach some of the, the tropes that they were bringing in with these characters for like. You could you could see people actually argue or like say something dumb or like mess up pronouns. Like poor people are not like perfect and they fuck up all the time. And I think like even having a character like assume something about someone and be totally off. Um, like especially with like aside from Alexandra and uh, what was it, Theo, Jordan. Uh, everyone's we assume everyone is like cis, but we don't actually know that. Mm-hmm. Like um, and having a character like say something and just getting at that uh and making mistakes could have been a better way of being like aha you thought we were doing this but we did something different um so i was a little bummed about that yeah yeah i think what you were what you were talking about Cass, about some of the good with this film i think that's the frustrating part mm-hmm. is that they do have really good moments and it's like oh this is a really good step forward this is great like you know, for example, talking about the queer sexuality and then also not being punished for having sex. Like it's a good surprise that you don't really see. And so it's like, okay, we're doing this. And then, you know, then, well, we get to the final act and all of, (laughs) all of that. 
yeah, definitely some good moments uh, for sure. And maybe that's just what they had, and they kept proceeding along and forgot to make a movie out of them. <laughs> they had story points, and then they just didn't have, you know, the connective tissue on what they uh, what they wanted to do. Mm. Like the moment when the police get there and Jordan's leaving the cabin, it was such a strange because, like the, sh- the the sheriffs were ignoring them completely. Without weird. any context, like Jordan's marching out there and the chefs are like, go to the house. There's no way that this person has anything to do with what we're here for. Leave them be. That was very weird. A lot, a lot of those moments of weirdness were like, why, why are, why are we in this situation right now? I think that, I mean, that goes to like the camp varies its level of terribleness to the moment that the script requires of it. Like it, it doesn't feel organically awful or even ramping up awful. It's just uh, this moment. I'm going to try for a degree of bullshit acceptance. And the next moment we're going to get real bad. And then we're going to all be friends again, or I'm going to try to be, and then it's going to be real bad. And yeah, it felt highly artificial right down to a number of shots I swear were green screened uh, backgrounds with the, the actors there. And that may have been COVID protocols. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, not, the, the whole thing does not hold together, even if its heart is in the right place for the most part. Talking just about the script jumping and stuff like that. It's kind of like the scene where Jordan finds the pictures and then immediately is a weird jump to like Kevin Bacon's trying to kill me. Like it's such a, a like, yeah. like if the scene felt out of place, like we needed a scene in between, like it was just an editing problem. Like it should have been somewhere else. Yeah. It's not like a slasher movie can't make those jumps, but I think you have to be enjoying the ride more uniformly to, to haunted house, to haunted house your brain. Just like, uh, Kenzie was saying, or you can just enjoy the experience. Here, I'm not enjoying the experience, so I'm trying to figure out how it all works together, and it doesn't. It's a movie that invites scrutiny, and most slasher movies don't survive under a lot of scrutiny, or any, usually. Yeah, the only consistent awfulness was uh, Balthazar from the get-go. Yeah. He was the only one that was like, nope, you, we're just going to telegraph everything with him that Whatever you think that he is awful, he is that awful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one of the places where the who done it fell failed is because he was dangled out there as a he's the who done it, but he was so so obvious a who done it that um you're like, yeah, whatever. No, seriously, stop, stop dangling him. That's where it almost seemed more of a law and order style plot construction, where it was like the first suspect, no. Second suspect, no. Oh, it was the marginally famous one. Yeah. Every damn episode. Come along, my girl. Yes, you were her. Good. Okay. Sorry, the law and order just broke me because that is a that is a joke of mine. It's like, hey, kids, remember so-and-so from growing up that you liked? Yeah. Well, guess what? <laughs> you remember <laughs> you remember the Fonz? You like the Fonz? Yeah. Guess what? He's going to kill his wife for her money. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that. Their agent earned their keep and got them the, the killer role on Law & Order this week. <laughs> no. Henry Winkler didn't kill anybody. Oh, darn it. It gets worse. There's one where Robin Williams is a con man and he's utterly terrifying in it. And there's another one with Martin Short also utterly terrifying as a uh as a con man it's great no, i've watched no, way too much svu gang so <laughs> there's plenty of it yeah if you're marginally famous you've killed somebody on one of any number of laws and order or you are the red herring kylo ren i'm looking at you uh because you have a whole bunch of uh you're 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 stalking your your dancer across uh your dancer neighbor across the way and you're Kenzie, video- my love yes honey you- you know that's not his name. I know, but I just wanted to say Kylo Ren. Okay. okay. I know it's Adam Driver. Okay. 
Kylo Ren is a more satisfying mixture of syllables than Adam Driver. See, because see, if I say Adam Driver, then I start thinking of you know about his other work. But if I say Kylo Ren, then it makes me giggle, and uh, everything goes back to Star Wars. So, all right. Well, Mac has our quote, which there was some pretty good quotes, like some pretty pretty good zingers that uh, we had a, a a discussion on. My personal favorite still is wrong team fuckwad, but Mac uh, Mac won on uh, the quote suggestion. Uh, I'm in the goddamn chamber of commerce. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why, because we're all laughing. Um, rule, Mac also has our rule. Uh, don't ever agree to do something because just because your parents insist on it which would have helped both our uh, intrepid heroes and Kevin Bacon. Yeah. In, in our discussion, I had some exceptions with this. Now, most of the kids in this camp appeared to be older. These appeared to be, these appeared to be young adults as opposed to 13, 14 year olds because 13, 14 year olds don't really get a lot of choice. Um, whereas young adults do have more of a choice. Actually, Jordan mentioned being emancipated, so that means that Jordan was not an adult. Um, so I guess that that's that's my quibble, but it says the rule we agreed upon, so this is our rule. Yeah, there there were I would say most were 17 and then two were probably 18. And I can't remember her name. Um, but the one that said that they were writing. Oh, Veronica. Veronica. Thank you. Writing a paper in college. And then Mm. I think Alexandra, because she wanted to still be able to see her baby brother. So I, I figured she was probably 18. Yeah. And just hitting the camp. And I, I mentioned before we started recording a friend of mine who is, um, a, uh, a trans woman, but lives with her very uh, religious parents, and so is not able to live as herself. Um, and I and several people, she, she is an adult, um, still in college, and several people have encouraged her to move out so that she can live as herself. And for reasons of financial security, she hasn't been able to take that step. And um, it's very easy to say, well, screw them. Um, but those of us encouraging her to do that are not the ones who are going to be then living in poverty. So it's um, very easy to make that decision for somebody else. But, uh, you know, she, she has generally said, hey, I just, I just need to graduate from college. And okay, you know, but again, those of us who are not having our lives affected by this choice, it's very easy for us to make that decision for her. So, um, so, which I guess is something we could all stand to remember is, is um, we're living our own lives and not somebody else's. So just be supportive and be safe. And that is just a personal rule that I, I try to live my life by when it comes to stuff like that and, you know, make people feel included. And I have our poll, which is going to be completely off of everything else that we <laughs> we we have a, a different tone, if you will. Uh, which is, do you think this is a new slasher franchise, or could it be? I think Cass should go first. Gee, thanks. <laughs> um, or Cass should go last, whichever Cass would prefer. Uh, uh, um. Wow, we didn't really touch on the ending too much. And I wanted to sort of interweave this into what I was thinking about it. Like the ending is very strange because kind of something like Mac already said around it is like we go right into like this is a revenge plot reveal, but we have to like accept and love ourselves and like turn the other cheek and not give into revenge. Um, but still revenge. <laughs> like, what? like it's like such a whiplash, like confusing um, order of events. Uh, but I think that it would be interesting if this movie, because it's staring up a lot of controversy, that I hope that they could do a different version. Because, like, what if Molly 
escape out of like the police custody or whatever, or the police didn't even like catch her. And I could see like a redux version. Uh, like I kind of want them to like Evil Dead do it, you know, of just being like, oh, after we made the first film, we realized the elements that we could have leaned into more. We're gonna do like a reprise kind of situation where sure you can say it's a sequel, sure you can say it's like a redo, um, and learn from our mistakes and make something better. So in that way, I think that would be awesome. And if that broke out into a franchise, done, down for it. Uh, I don't think, I don't know if it, I honestly don't know if it will. It's getting like such bad reviews, but also a lot of the time, really badly reviewed movies like Morbius gain a second life. And I'm like, what, the, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of if they evil dead toot it. Like, I like that because I think, I think if they learn from their mistakes, I think there's potential to to be to to do this. Like I think there could be, you know, just some small tweaks and you can make this work and be something something interesting and take the slasher genre into a new direction, into, you know, modern times for lack of a better word. You could scream this and make it the the template if you will i was really surprised to see that they arrested molly i was stunned and i mean she had ample time to run she had plenty of time to run so i was really surprised to see that she was arrested and i was like oh well i guess there goes our franchise um but yeah, I I think they can absolutely make this into a franchise. I mean, there have been plenty of kids tortured by um conversion camps. And so it doesn't even have to be Molly every time. It could be another kid tortured by a franchise. Um apparently, um what's his name and his wife have to pick out guys and girls for each other before they can dry hump each other. I guess is what they were doing. Um, and so, you know, next time it could be one of the uh, counselors at the camp and, you know, it could be, it absolutely could be a franchise is the short answer that I was taking my very long way to get to. Um, it absolutely could. And they could learn from it and do better because you're absolutely right. It's a horror franchise and queer kids absolutely deserve to participate in horror so maybe next time let the queer kids participate in the horror i don't think so um i <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i think there'd have to have been something much more in this film to get into to extend it into another film um my guess would be that uh once the internet chatter dies down, this movie will settle into a quiet little corner of Peacock and never be heard from again. It, it is just such a mess in its construction. Like you, we talk about Evil Dead, Evil Dead even has a charm in it in and of itself that yes, you could see it continuing or, oh gosh, he's gonna go back and remake the movie. Wherever you, wherever you end up on that divide, there's something to take and, uh, uh, move to another place. Whereas with this, I mean, the idea of more queer horror in the mainstream, yes, that should be uh, be happening. I think that goes back to my point at the beginning about it's bad, doesn't matter if it's bad. Uh, this should not discourage these themes from continuing the film, but I, I could, uh, the Whistler's Camp can just break off of the coast and drift off into the ocean. We kind of already talked about it before, but just as like a quick note, I will say that I'm happy that Kevin Bacon is using this film to inform people that like over 600,000 adults have been sent to gay conversion camp in America and it's still legal in 22 states. Uh, and he's being very vocal about that part of, of this film and doing his best to raise awareness. And so I do want to just shout out that because I think it's a conversation that always gets pushed aside because right. um, we think that it's over. Like, oh, that's something that they did in the 50s and 70s when, when it was like 
criminalized to be gay. And it's like, no, 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 it's still happening. Um, so I do think that it's important to mention. Uh, I'm happy that that is coming out of it at least. Indeed. Uh, yeah, uh, for a failure of a movie, it, its heart is in the right place. Yeah. Yes. And that's where I think a lot of some toxic discussion in internet it, it, on the internet can be. We equate a bad movie with a moral crime, like making a bad movie is a an affront. And, and it's like, no, sometimes movies are just bad. It's not. It, it's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wouldn't watch it again. But the, yeah, it's it's not a it's not a moral failing to make a bad movie. Yeah, agreed. All right, Cass, what's your happy place this week? Uh, my puppy. Who does this thing <laughs> where um, she's very particular about how she likes to cuddle? Uh, it's taking me a while to figure it out, but she likes to like lean into me to cuddle, and like specifically, she likes it when I'm like around her. So like, she's like the little spoon, I'm the big spoon. <laughs> and every morning, she'll like get up, and like you can't see this because you're listening to the podcast, but she'll like scooch on over her cuddle time and then it's like laughing to me <laughs> uh she did that today before i had to go record in this podcast um and that was adorable so that's currently my happy place <laughs> all right i'll go next because i see both of you just like we're thinking um so you know we, we we talked about on this podcast about representation and i get to live in a world where prey exists because prey is fantastic and i i can't i can't even vocalize and just express my utter love and joy for Prey. If you haven't seen Prey, finish this podcast because we're almost done well anyway, but go and watch it and then watch it in the Comanche dub. Do it both. Watch it twice and then watch yeah. it again. Um, because I can't even tell you if I had been, if I had seen that movie as a child, how much of a game changer that would have been for me as, yeah. So anyway, that's my happy place is Prey. Yeah. It's great. Haven't so it, seen it yet. Yeah. Should we do it for the podcast? Do we have room in our schedule? Is it horror? That's that's is, yeah. See, is, that's is, the, uh, is the bigger question. Yeah, oh, okay. it's yeah. more it's more sci-fi, I would say, and action, which is yeah. always okay. good. But yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't lean into it as horror. Okay. Um, I but you should watch it, Donna. I will. I'm okay. going to. I, I have not yet heard a single bad thing about it. And so I'm going to. And um, I think my happy place is recently a friend of mine um, gifted me with a copy of No Man's Sky. Um, and I have really been loving that game. And I recently found my paradise planet and I got a exotic ship. And if only it had been red, it would have been perfect. And also I got a new pet that I named bunny after my dog because it just keeps walking all over me and knocking me aside. So it is um, a perfect example of my dog. And um, that's what I have been doing instead of getting ready for school, which starts tomorrow. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to be scrambling today. Um, so by the time you hear this, school will have been already started for several days, and hopefully, I will have been ready. I love just you sending me like messages to your future self. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. hope you got your shit together, Donna. <laughs> oh man, my happy place. Am I muted? I'm not okay because I've been coughing intermittently throughout the episode but billy i'm looking out for you i've been hitting that mute button <laughs> um uh i got the vid this week not my happy place uh but it did afford me the opportunity to get caught up on some things uh mainly better call saul uh which has been extraordinary this season uh i also finally started for all mankind which is just the like i don't know why i've been avoiding this show this so long it's it's it, it had a absolute laser target right at my head and somehow has missed for three solid seasons but now i'm uh i'm there and it's uh quite wonderful mac those are excellent happy spot places yeah i will yes and both of those series yep 
Cass, as always, it is a delight, and thank you so much for coming. We we always enjoy getting to talk horror with you and just getting to visit with you in general. It's it's always a good time. Where can the peoples find you? Uh, well, thank you again for having me. It's always a blast to chat horror with you all uh, and to talk about important things like representation and know that we're all going to have a good time. We're going to disagree. We're going to agree, and it's uh, lovely to be able to do that. Certainly can on Twitter. <laughs> uh, and speaking of Twitter, you can find me at Cass underscore underscore Clark. And all my work is usually posted there. Well, you can find all of us. We're, uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Beyond Cabin. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, as well as our webpage, which is Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. I am on Twitter and Instagram as at Callista77. I'm going to give my time to Cass because I think I actually talked over them a couple of times today and I feel bad about it. Um, absolutely go look up Cass on Twitter because um, Cass is phenomenal. Uh, I read two or, two or three things that Cass has written about Nope and it's it's brilliant. Okay, so um, go go read what Cass has written about Nope. Um, I'm assuming I'm about to go find some brilliant stuff about they slash them on Twitter. So oh, I'm not ready with that one. I'm only talking about you all. I cannot. <laughs> oh, okay. Well then, um, um, yeah, go, go find Cass on Twitter because, um, phenomenal horror writer. And, um, I recommend that and my apologies for any talking over that I did. We're just all excited. We have feelings. That's all. Um, I forgot about my, where I was on Twitter for a second. That's the COVID thing, right? Um, uh, I, you can find me at party apocalypse on Twitter. There is an Instagram. There's nothing there. Uh, there's my profile picture of someone in Michael Myers cosplay looking over my shoulder there. You've experienced my Instagram. Um, uh, the, the website partyapocalypse.com with books, blogs, movie reviews, uh, other podcasts, including, uh, the holiday is broken, uh, friendables to talk friends talking about Han uh, Hannibal Lecter, uh, as the myth turns the fourth wall and this one. Uh, so if you're listening to this podcast too late, you're already listening to one of the fine party apocalypse podcasts. As always, thank you to our editor, Billy, who uh, wrangles our shenanigans and makes us sound professional. Thank you, Billy. Thanks, Billy. And also thank everyone for listening to us. We do appreciate it. If you do feel so inclined, please rate and review us wherever you get your fine podcasts. We would uh, appreciate that. And don't read the Latin. Do you know what horror is? <laughs> <laughs>